Hello and welcome to What About The Music, a podcast brought to you by So Stereo. This week's guest is Tasha Cronin. She's the head of production at Mojo Supermarket. Mojo Supermarket won Ad Age's Small Agency of the Year and Ad Age's Silver Digital Campaign of the Year for Doja Code. Tasha has deep experience in production and advertising and has worked on brands like Meta, StockX, Google Pixel, Adidas, HBO and many more. So let's tune in to this week's episode with your host, Beto Azut. So Tasha, let's let's begin. T- tell me a little bit more about how you got started in the world of advertising, what led you to pursue a career in advertising and what about production uh, is it that you really love? Yeah, um, sure. So I I went to film school and I actually started my career working in film um, for several years, which um, was exciting, um, really cool. I got to travel the world going to film festivals. I worked for a small um, independent art house company called Samuel Goldwyn Films. And we produced smaller films ourselves, as well as partnering with big studios like Fox. But we also um, bought films for release in the United States. So I got to travel to like Sundance and Cannes and Berlin and Toronto. Um, and it was incredible. Um, but the pace of it was really slow. I mean, it's funny things that I worked on are literally just being released now. Um, and a friend of mine was moving from New York to, to LA. I lived in LA at the time to, to start up an advertising agency that specifically catered to, to film studios and TV networks. And so I joined her there. And so some of my competitors became my clients. And at that agency, I, I was, our roles weren't as defined as they might be in traditional advertising agencies. And so I was an account person, a, a PM, a producer, a media buyer, but I really fell in love with production because um, that's, that's, that's my kind of original calling. Yeah. And from there, then I, I went on to work at a traditional full service creative agency up in Seattle. Um, and then I met my wife and I'm originally from the East Coast. So moving back to New York was always something we wanted to do and moved back to work at Google and then drove a five for seven years. And then now I'm at Mojo Supermarket, super stoked to be here and have been here as uh, head of production for the past year. Amazing. And and I mean, obviously, you've had a great career uh, as a producer, you know, from a music standpoint, how has music shaped your career and what's been your experience with music and and you know how do you feel when we mentioned music what is the first things that you that you feel i get excited about it i see opportunity i see um a chance to maybe break a new artist um to a wider audience like at mojo we really um as an agency as a whole and then specifically within production we always look to find the next untapped great artist or great director or great photographer or, or digital production company. We like working with, um, with unknown great talents. And I think within music, there's such an opportunity to find somebody who might be independent or who isn't well known and potentially partner with them and use their track and bring them to a wider audience, which I think is incredibly exciting. I also just love the fact that like, Music is that final piece of the puzzle when it comes to a project and it can either complete it or it can completely elevate it to a place where, you know, people are looking up from their phones because they hear a great track and they want to, what is that coming from? What is that TV spot? Or, you know, reintroduce an old school track 
that people maybe hadn't heard or thought of in a while, but has been reintroduced through advertising um, or simply just an earworm, you know, that you can't get out of your, your head. Music brings such a different element and is, and is key and critical and often underlooked. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, often overlooked, as you say, like it's, it's very important. And, you know, you look at a video, it's half of it is, is the video component and half of it is the audio component. And, and nowadays, like everyone is, uh, you know, super distracted and doing a million things at the same time. So like music has that power to just captivate you and, and make you pay attention, especially if you, if you hear something you like that you've never heard before. It has that special power. So it's an important tool in your toolbox, right? That you, that we need to leverage. And, and, you know, that leads me to this question. Like, what is it about music that you now know that you wish you knew when you first getting started? I've learned so much, um, you know, just all of the different potential options and resources that producers can tap into for music, you know, um, everything from obviously from stock to original composition to, you know, obviously licensing like a super well-known track or subverting that by finding maybe a young up and coming artist to cover a well-known track. I mean, it's so limitless. Um, And I wish that I had been, and no knock to my mentors, but I wish the same attention was spent with young producers in, in training them and opening their eyes to all of the different possibilities when it comes to finding the right music for a project and finding the right partner. You know, we spend a lot of time on like how to do a director search or how to do a photography search or how to review a portfolio, but we don't often, and maybe, you know, now I'm, I'm convincing myself I need to do much better training with my younger producers um, about how to apply that same, that same amount of research, that same amount of thinking, that same eye, that same ear when it comes to music. Uh, to help educate themselves, right? We've all got a Rolodex of production companies with directors or photographers. What does that same Rolodex look like? How can we get them to understand and get to know different partners better so that they know, oh, if I want this kind of track, I'm going to go here. If I need this kind of track, I know that this is their house style, um, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And that's a great point. And and like some agencies have uh, very big production teams and they also have uh, music producers or music supervisors in-house and so the music supervisor has a very important role where they guide producers in terms of who to work with for what and they know who the right vendors are for the right project right but unfortunately not all agencies have music supervisors so you know I feel that that producers sometimes would benefit from from having a you know like you say like just an idea of who to go for what especially like junior producers that are starting associate producers and the, the one thing that I would say is is something that I that we do at Tostereo and that other uh, companies that do music for advertising that I know that they do very well is they they are there to help right so re- regardless if you're going to work with a vendor or not uh, there's a lot of us that are very happy to just answer any questions you might have and regardless if you're going to work with us or not like at the end of the day it's a community and we were trying to help each other so like uh, a lot of times, like, you know, someone asked me, hey, I, I want to license a song uh, by Jay-Z for my for my next ad. What like, can you help me with this? And I said, like, that's that's not something that we do at Sosteria, but I can point you to the right place or like, this is what you should do. This is what you, you know, so just guiding people, you know, to the right place is important. So so definitely that's that's uh, that's well said and, and, and a very good point. 
Yeah. And, you know, and we have like regular vendor screenings, you know, when it comes to production companies showcasing their reels. And, and we do include, um, you know, music partners in those screenings. But I think, you know, that's also key in terms of introducing my team to folks like you, um, knowing that they have that resource. And I think um, ensuring that music houses have that same amount of frequency and, and touch points and interaction with our producers and creatives is, is hugely important outside of, outside of, you know, being in pre-production or on a certain project, but just in general, getting to know, you know, when we're in our, our downtime, getting to know folks. So like, obviously there's, I mean, you said at the beginning that when you think about music, you think of opportunity, opportunity to do something memorable, opportunity to do something unique uh, with a brand. What are some of the, I guess, the downfalls or, you know, the harder things about working with music, uh, you know, and, and, and I guess what could we do to change those things from a production standpoint? One of the toughest things is getting the brief right in the beginning. Because not everybody has the same references or knowledge or um, experience with music. So making sure that the creatives have a really clear and tight brief that then is a jumping off point for a discussion. Um, with our potential music partners. Communication is key. I'm sure I'm going to, I'm going to annoy or anger some creatives out there, but I've been in certain situations where, where my creative team is throwing around terminology like melody or tempo or the hi-hat or this. And it's like, and they're using all of those terms improperly. And that ends up just like confusing our partner even more. So definitely having fruitful conversations, poking holes, asking more questions so that in that initial brief, as well as in like the rounds of feedback, everybody's on the same page. Um, and your team clearly understands like what we're trying to say in our kind of amateur ish style so that we all get on the same page. Um, and you, you have a better understanding of what's working and what's not working. Um, so I think really ironing out the communication, spending a bit more time, having those conversations, ensuring that as producers, we are getting our creatives attention, even though they might be heads down on, on the edit at that point, like, no, 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 let's clear some space. We got to focus on this conversation to make sure that we get it right. Yeah, no, that's key. That's key. And, and sometimes what works best is knowing exactly what you don't want. A lot of times you, you, you go deep into this is what we want. And genre, mood, rhythmic influences, all these details. Um, but, but sometimes knowing what definitely throws you off and what what definitely does not work well for an ad that sometimes is kind of like what we need uh to just stay off of that right and and so you know from my side it's the more transparent and the more information we can receive the better it is uh i've 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 worked in some projects where you know they start off very high level uh and so we inventors we have to like sort of guess and so you know knowing like most of the information up front would be super helpful just to prepare something that hits the, the brief right and that's the goal right that should be the ultimate goal absolutely and and we as producers can certainly like be very clear about budget timeline genre like and then the creatives getting more detailed like always feel free to like scrutinize the information and ask more questions. I push my, my teams to always provide as much information so that from the very moment we, we start on a journey, like everybody's set up for success and, and only having half the answer is not going to help. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Oftentimes like we see that unless music, sometimes you start a project and music is the focal point. Music is, you know, you start off 
uh, with a concept and the concept has a very recognizable track that just works very well with the creative. And so you put a lot of importance on the music, but oftentimes when, when that's not the case, uh, maybe it's just an organic social post or just a paid media campaign that you have that just you need music for the background. Uh, we often see that music is an afterthought and something that you do when you have two or three days left to ship. Why do you think that is? And, and what can we do to just change that? Because I think that brands could really benefit by, by really leveraging it, no matter how much shelf life a content is going to have, right? You're still, you, you still want to captivate whoever the, the, the spot is meant for or, or the creative is meant for. So what do you think of that? Thankfully, I think during the course of my career, I've worked with creatives who understand the importance of music. And so even as they're writing scripts, you know, they're thinking of something, there's something maybe that they're writing to um, as they're working um, and they're referencing a track um, in our creative presentations. And of course we have to caveat and say, no, we can't afford Jay-Z, but <laughs> this is the feel of, um, you know, the feel and the tone and the vibe that we're going to be going for. And we can use that as a jumping off point and use that as a point of discussion for the client so that they understand where our heads are at. Um, so I think for producers as well as creatives, we need to be thinking of music from the very start so that it's not, to your point, something that's slept on and only thought of like when we suddenly get into edit. Um, it takes time. It takes some nurturing. It takes some feeling out. Like not everybody has the same taste. Everybody's got different opinions, particularly when you're dealing with a group of creatives and then you throw the client in there. So getting everybody on the same page takes time. Um, and I think, you know, heads of production and, and agencies, we need to, you know, acknowledge that um, and make sure that our teams know that it shouldn't be something that, that can just be slapped on. You know, I think, I think in the case of social, it can be tricky because we live in a, in a world where we also have to communicate with sound off. So getting music to be focused on when it's like some organic social can be a little bit tricky, but TikTok is now a thing that's in all of our lives, you know, and we've seen how, what a huge impact music has on a social campaign is particularly on TikTok. And so it's something that we simply can't ignore. No, that, that for sure is very important. And, and it's, it's a whole separate discussion. Um, right. And, and we could talk hours about that. Um, but I, I do want to say that I do think, you know, the, the goal of this podcast is to make music more important in advertising. And, and I do think that, that it is, more on people's minds and more on creatives' minds and, and producers. Like I think people think about it more now than before. I do think that there's there's more awareness on on it for sure. Uh, I think there's been a lot of improvement. Yeah. I mean, we live in such a distracted age, you know. I tend to, and I'm I'm one of those people who, you know, when we watch a show or we watch a movie, chances are I'm also checking my phone because of work stuff or because whatever. Um so audio and particularly music is key to get me to look up or if I'm running to the kitchen because I'm making something or grabbing a snack like being able to hear the dialogue or hear the audio of that tv spot like make me crane my head back is is crucial um we have to use everything at our disposal to capture the attention of our audience um and so just you know music is key it's yeah it's key and 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 back to your point on tiktok uh you know almost like I mean so many projects are are relying on TikTok and, and Instagram reels um, and user-generated content. So 
you know, for producers and creatives, it's important to know uh, the options, right, of of how to best leverage the music. Um, you know, are you are you embedding the the music in the video and and delivering that, or do you wanna make sure that the music is up on the TikTok library or the Instagram Reel library, and then having the user select it from there because you know it's a different impact. Uh, so so having those conversations are very important. And and having them early on and deciding early on what you want to do has a lot of implications. What's your perspective on all of that in terms of music and how how to best leverage it on social? Well, I do think that the best way to leverage it is is by including the artist. Because like I think consumers out there are are very savvy nowadays and they know what they're hearing, right? And you know, they know, especially Gen Z, they know if something sounds stocky or not, right? They're always trying to discover artists, right? And and on TikTok. And, and so they will always want to go to to this account because uh, they saw this artist tagged in it. And, you know, if something became viral, they want to have access to the source of that virality. Uh, so mentioning the artist, um, even if it is TikTok or IG Reels, it's important, uh, you know, to select the song from them so that, you know, the viewer, the consumer can know where the music is coming from. And, and also, it associates the brand with with uh, helping the artist get out there and and exactly as I I think that's something that Apple and and Media Arts Lab they they do very well. Uh, you know every single post in on Instagram, uh, they mention the artist, right? So it, they're contributing to an artist's career. I think that's how brands can win fans through music is is by really leveraging that. Uh, and not just Apple, a lot of brands are also doing it, you know, so, so speaking about that, obviously, I, I mean, Mojo, you, you've done some great work, you know, and really leveraged the power of music. And for me, you know, uh, the work you did with Doja Cat, you know, speaks loudly. So, you know, how did that come to be? What was that process like? Uh, how did it start looking at it now? What stands up? I mean, that was such an incredible project and, and was just lightning in a bottle. Um, we've been really fortunate to partner with Girls Who Code now for a couple of years, um, which is an incredible nonprofit that is working to bridge the gap in both STEM education as well as careers, particularly uh, for women, but particularly for, for women of color. And, um, you know, for that campaign, we wanted to showcase how coding can be creative and fun, um, that it's not just some dry typing in ones and O's, uh, but really pulling in um, young women, you know, who are between the ages of like 10 and 21 into this, this creative world. So we came up with the idea of uh, making a, a codable music video. Um, and obviously for a music video, we need to, to find the right artist and who could that potentially be? And the first person that came to mind who we thought would be absolutely perfect um, for many reasons, but we also were skeptical about being able to partner with her was Doja you know, because she's one of the biggest stars on the planet. You know, she is a self-proclaimed geek and gamer. Um, and she's a really powerful woman of color. And we approached her and thankfully she was really excited about the idea, thought it was super dope and agreed to do it. Couldn't be any more perfect. The wrinkle though, was that she was shooting the video for woman in just a couple weeks time. And so we had to very quickly get ourselves pulled together and we ended up producing and launching that project in about five weeks because we were able to capitalize on the fact that she was shooting that video and work closely with her director child 
on the storyboards, identifying which moments in the video could be codable, going through the post-production process of her finishing the video and then getting the footage from her for the use in our site, um, and then launching it in time so that it coincided with the release of the video. Because we couldn't be weeks later when everybody had already seen Woman and didn't care about it anymore. It needed to be like right on the heels. And luckily we were able to do it, you know, RCA, Doge's record company was incredible. Um, we partnered with a digital production company called Active Theory, who was just remarkable and, and absolutely the best. And yeah, and when we launched it, we saw huge engagement from our core audience. Um, and, you know, we got a lot of press from it, which is great. But the, the better thing is that it actually made an impact on the girls that we were seeking out. And I think it's probably one of the my favorite projects that I've worked on in my career. And and through it, I got one of my proudest moments where my 14-year-old niece actually sent Doja Code to me, not knowing that I had produced it, but just was like, hey, Auntie T, I thought this was really cool and thought you would you would like it and want to check it out. It's like, it is really cool, Stella. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, remember that thing that I was sort of telling you about, but I couldn't tell you about involving like a really big pop star. She's like, yeah, I'm like, this is it. She's like, you didn't tell me it was Doja. I'm like, well, I couldn't tell you it was Doja. Um, and so that's, I mean, that's just, that's what it's all about at the end of the day it was about us trying to genuinely impact, excite and reach out to those girls. And, and we did it. Did you ever think about like if she wouldn't be into the idea let's say did you have a plan b or did that ever come through your mind or was it like no nah, she's definitely going to like it like this goes hand in hand i mean we had to have a certain amount of confidence and swagger um but you know there's always backup plans in production so you know there were certain we had to we had to think through what if she said no and if there were other artists that potentially we think it could work and and have um a solid impact and so you know, we did do that, but Doja said yes. That's that's what's important. And, and yeah, I mean, a lot of times when, when you have big ideas, you need that confidence and swagger to sell it through. And yeah, another another one that I want to you know talk about with you is is the, the work you did with StockX. Tell us more about that too. Sure. We were fortunate enough to work with um, StockX on their first uh, global brand campaign. And we partnered with this incredible director based out of the UK named Elliot Power, who's young has a, a great insight and feel for culture, has a really unique point of view. Um, and we were just super excited to, to work with him on it because he was such a great fit for that brand. In, in developing the scripts for that, that's an example of how like anytime we were writing a script, there was a track there, there was reference there, there was some kind of vibe as we were presenting to clients. So music was always at the forefront. And then as we were getting some the folks back in their treatments. And even within Elliot's treatment, he had suggested this artist named Mink, this independent artist based out of the UK named Mink. Like, cool. All right. We were listening to him and, and we're like, okay, yeah, this is a vibe. Um, and as we got into edit, we we're laying it to, to Mink's tracks and we've been, you know, we really liked it, but we had to like think through, is this, the, is, is this the best thing? Do we have like scratch love? Like, you know, and it, we just kept coming back to his work and coming back to his work. And ultimately it made it onto the campaign. Um, and there was such a great reaction to both the campaign as well as uh, Mink's music that StockX ended up featuring Mink across not just the TV campaign, but also on social content and some editorial pieces that they posted organically, which 
again, so what we were talking about earlier is just so exciting to me to be able to bring some exposure and some more eyeballs and some more ears to a young emerging artist and for a brand to, to hop on board and to understand like the connection between their brand and a really incredible piece of music and a really incredible artist and how each can leverage one another um, is just awesome. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. And and what stands out there is that you started the, the conversation about music early. And it seems that when as you were shooting, uh, you had like the music in mind and the music was playing. So what I've seen is that that when you're shooting um, and you already have a track that people are more or less liking, it just helps it, the whole production flow way more into into post-production. Um, rather than than just having a reference track that everyone is liking but it's not attainable that sometimes happens you have you have a reference track that people love but cannot use it but you still have it in set on set i mean that's what stands out just hearing the story how how you you actually all love the track it was attainable and it was played in, in on set right yeah like we didn't necessarily have it playing on set, but we always had it in the back of our mind, like, because like it had been included in Elliot's treatment. And so we knew like kind of what the vibe was, what the beat was, like what the attitude was. And so that certainly influenced like camera movements and performance and things like that. Um, and to your point, yeah, just then when we got into edit, it just like, it all just flowed. No, that's great. And and then just really quickly, I when you were at Droga, uh, you, you mentioned that the Serena Williams for Jay spot. Uh, what about that really resonated with you? I am a huge Serena Williams fan, like dating back to when she debuted. I played tennis a bit as when I was younger and I've just always been a huge, yeah, I've just always been a huge fan of hers um, as well as being a massive hip hop fan. Like that's kind of my go-to music. That's, I grew up outside of DC. So go-go and hip hop was kind of like all around me. Um, and Serena coming back from having had Olympia. It's her first U.S. Open, I think, after she's given birth. Um, and there was already an existing partnership between Serena and Chase, which was one of Droga's clients. And we wanted to highlight the fact that she was coming back. We wanted to highlight the fact that she was a mother. We wanted to put a focus on everything that mothers and women can do. And the idea of repositioning and utilizing LL Cool J's like old school hit, you know, mama said, knock you out. But her saying it to herself, um, you know, that was right in the script. That was right in the concept that we presented to clients. Um, and then it just, it went from there. Everybody just, you know, I think Martin Detura directed that, who's an incredible director. So, so gifted and crafted and knows how to, and so evocative. The visuals of her training and practicing while she's, you know, rapping and saying those words to herself and how those lyrics can mean something so completely different and something so powerful when being said by Serena. Yeah. I mean, she's, I mean, just now in the U.S. Open that, you know, concluded, I mean, even though she had an early departure, she inspired so many and so many generations. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's amazing. And so a great story for sure. And, 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 and great work followed by great music. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, you know, I got, I was lucky enough to work with Mike Ladman, who's one of the best kind of agency sides, music supervisors in the business. And he was so critical to that, 
Mike, Mike has been on here. Mike has been on here. The work that he's done is amazing and, and he really loves music and, and helps a lot of artists along the way as well. So, uh, and so, so Tasha, like, you know, before, before we leave, what advice would you give to, you know, uh, young producers, producers that are, that are up and coming, uh, how to best approach music and, and uh, what, any tips that you can give them? Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, don't sleep on it, you know, spend some time doing the research, getting to know different music supervisors, different uh, production companies, different composers, um, have an understanding of how licensing works, um, you know, get to know different record labels out there like Sub Pop, who's got like a massive library. Um, do the work so that you become more familiar with it, just as you would when you're researching other potential partners. Bringing it up in creative development, if your creatives aren't thinking about that, ask them so that you can start doing that outreach and have a sense for it, even so that you can include it in you know, your director's decks. And if you don't have an idea for music, be provocative and ask the directors as treating, what are they thinking? Like that should be a key question that they're answering when they're bringing their treatments back. Um, but just make sure that it is included and, and thought about just like everything else is considered early on in creative dev and, and pre-production and take those meetings, have those drinks, have those lunches, get to know everyone out there so that you know to call Beto um, when the time arises. Like you're not scrambling at the last minute trying to figure out who the right partner is. You already know because you know the folks in the industry well. That's great. That's that's very great feedback. Um, and lastly, uh, before I let you go, what what type of music are you listening to lately? Any sorry to put you on the spot, but any artists that you've been that you've been vibing to, or any sort of music or genre that you've been that you've been liking to? I mean, this summer, um, I'm I'm lucky enough to live near the beach, and so spends a lot of time outside. And so this summer's definitely been pretty heavy on the rock steady. Um, but I have to say, Renaissance. I don't think I've turned that album off since it's been released. Like it's just so good. No skips. I know it's boring and probably and everyone loves Beyonce, but it's it's an incredible album. Yeah, I mean everything she makes has a purpose and and is uh, innovative, right? And different and new. You, you hear it once, you hear it twice, and every time you hear it, you can you can uh, hear something different that you didn't hear. It's incredible, and I mean, you know, being a, a gay woman, like knowing who she had dedicated it to after the re release of Break Your Soul. And I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be her like big dance album. But I didn't realize how deep in her references she was going to go. And um, and in elevating like parts of the culture in that way was just incredible. Um, and I think it's, yeah, I think it's the gayest mainstream album that's been released in recent memory for sure. Yeah, no, that's... That's amazing. And, you know, I mean, she's she's an icon. Uh, but Tasha, thank you so much. This was amazing. Love chatting with you. Uh, definitely, definitely made music more important in advertising. So a big thanks for that. Yeah, thank you. I've enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. No, thank you. We'll be in touch. Bye bye.